Isn't God good? What a joy to be here today with y'all. My wife was in the emergency room Friday, and uh, so she is recuperating over some issues. Uh, hated that she could not be here. Pastor Lee and Sherry are very precious friends for almost 40 years, and we've watched their family grow up, him grow into ministry, and uh, so excited just to be here to this wonderful church family. Enjoyed the worship. Hope the worship team will come back up at the end of the service because I believe that not only does God have a word, I haven't preached this word before, so it's not something that we pulled out of a hat, but it's something I believe God has birthed for this moment for this church. Our text will be found in Genesis chapter 32. But before we get there, I would like for us to pause and invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because without his presence, is just another word. It's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. But if the Holy Spirit will show up in the house, everything will change. So would you bow your hearts? Father, we love you. Precious Holy Spirit, as you breathed into man at creation, the breath of God, and he became an eternal soul. And as you breathed upon the early church on the day of Pentecost, and you transformed some people who had been afraid and fearful and dysfunctional, and you turned them to a mighty army, I pray that that same breath of the Holy Spirit will breathe through this sanctuary this morning. That God, as I speak a word that you have given me, Holy Spirit, you're going to speak directly to the hearts of people. And you will speak a more emphatic word than I will speak. And I pray, God, that people will respond. That the word of God will prepare people for the working of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that today there's going to be a transformational shift in some people's lives. And we love you, Father, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Isn't God... Good. We're going to be talking about the God of Jacob, and this message is not for people who are spiritual experts and have it all together. This message is for the people that are broken and hurting, they're dysfunctional and disillusioned, discouraged and depressed, people who struggle sometimes feeling like you're good enough. Have you ever felt like I'm just, maybe I'm at the wrong place? I said, have you ever felt like you just weren't good enough. It's not that you don't love God because you love God with a passion, but sometimes when you look at the man in the mirror, you loathe yourself because you feel what Paul felt when he said in me, there's no good thing. He said, I want to do good, but man, that's tough. And then the stuff that I don't want to do, I find myself doing and who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then from the hand of, and the pen of that same person who struggled inwardly with things in his own life. He pens the words in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He said, we are confident that he which hath begun a, he that hath begun a good work in us is faithful to carry it out to completion into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it gives us hope that God is here in this house. He is with us and he loves you and God is for you. So Genesis chapter 32, verse 34, or 24 through 31. It says, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn, and when he saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh so that his hip was out of joint as he 
trestle. And the man said to Jacob, let me go, for the day is about to dawn. And Jacob said, I will not let you go except you what? Except you bless me. And the man asked Jacob, he said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And he said this, he said, your name shall be called Jacob no more, but your name shall now be called Israel, for as a prince you have power with God and man, and you have prevailed. And then Jacob asked the man, what is your name? And he said, why did you ask my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel because he said, I have seen God face to face and my life has been spared. And as he passed over Penuel, the Bible says the sun rose and he limped as he walked because of his hip. And, and I love what Hebrews chapter 11 says. When Jacob was dying, he blessed both the sons of Joseph and he worshiped God leaning upon a staff. There's six things that I want to share with you this morning, and the first one is a little longer, but it sets the whole context for understanding the wrestling match that is about to take place between God and Jacob. How many of you understand that God is here today? And I came to tell you he's not mad at you, but he's in madly in love with you. Oh, he, he made you in his image and according to his likeness. He, you see, when God makes something, God doesn't make junk. Oh, somebody needs to hear that today. That he rejoices over you with singing. He holds you in the palm of his hand. He tattooed you in the palm of his hand. How many know he was pierced for you? He said, God loves you with an everlasting love. He says, nothing shall separate you from my love. He said, all things will work together for the good of them that love him or called according to his purpose. In him we live and move and have our being, and by him all things consist. In Psalms 139, before you were ever born, God has your whole story in life planned out. He knows. He has a book in heaven. I call it the epistle of your life. And in that book, there's every moment, every thought, every habit, every addiction, every problem, every, every miracle. Every moment has been recorded. And see, here's what grace is, that God, knowing everything that you would do before salvation and after salvation, he knew every time that you would drop the ball, and yet he picked you he picked you anyway. Oh, that, see, sometimes we feel like, okay, God, man, I messed up too many times, God. And came to tell you, the God of the universe, he wants a, what? He wants a relationship with you. The God of the universe wants a relationship with you. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts, the plans that I have concerning you are thoughts of peace, of good and not evil, to bless and not harm you, that I may give you an expected future. That same God who planned out your future is the same God that planned out Jacob's future. To understand the story, you have to go back to Genesis chapter 25. Isaac is married to Rebekah, but they don't have children she is barren. So Isaac implores the Lord. He said, we want to get pregnant. We want to have children. So God honored his request and gave Rebekah not one child, but how many of you know he gave, him, gave her two? Twin boys that would be born from her womb. Esau would be the firstborn, the eldest, and Jacob would be the secondborn. 
The Bible says at, during her pregnancy, she was having problem with her pregnancy because it was like there was a war going on inside her womb. And she goes to God and says, listen, I'm struggling here in this pregnancy. What's going on? And he said, there's two nations striving within you. And he says, the elder shall serve the younger. So from before Jacob's birth, how many of you know God had already planned that he would be the patriarch over Israel, that he would be the patriarch, the leader of the house and the leader of the family. Genesis 25, 28, though, says Isaac loved Esau and Rebekah loved Jacob. Malachi chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, God says, but Esau I have hated and Jacob I have loved. And it's, I think, the only place in Scripture where God says I hate somebody. And so I looked up that Hebrew word hate, and it's sonay. It's a word picture of two thoughts, a thorn bush and thorn seed. And so what God is saying is not I hate the person of Esau. He's saying I hate the nature of Esau because the nature of Esau is he is a thorn bush, and everybody's life that he touches, he's going to cause pain and hurt, and not only is it going to be him, but all of his seed, all of his descendants are also going to be thorn bushes, and they're going to hurt everybody they touch. And so the nation of Edom is a painful, hurtful, causing culture. And God says, my kingdom's not going to be based on people hurting people. So God hated the caustic nature of Esau. But it goes beyond that. Being the firstborn, there is a Levitical law. It's the law of the firstborn. The Bible says the firstborn belongs to who? Oh, who, who does the firstborn belong to? Belongs to God. It is a sacred law. And for that firstborn, recognizing the ownership of God, God gives them a double portion. It pays for you to belong. Oh, I don't get excited. That applause was underwhelming. I said it. How many of you know it pays for you to belong to God? That there is a residual investment. There's a double portion. There's something that you can't get from this world that you can only get from God when you recognize his ownership in your life. And so Esau went hunting one day, and he comes back famished, and Jacob's been in the kitchen cooking up some of Grandma's recipe of special soup. And he smells that, and he said, man, I'm hungry. I'm famished. I need something to eat. And Jacob said, this is expensive stew. He said, this will cost you. And he said, man, you know I ain't, I, I ain't got this southern. I ain't got no money. He says, well, let me tell you, why don't you sell me the birthright? And he says, what good is that to me? That was not an issue just dealt with material things. That was a spiritual rejection of God's ownership. Oh, help me, somebody. See, you belong to God, and if you reject the birthright, if you reject the son, how many of you know that is a slap in the face of God? So God hated the nature of Esau, and he hated the fact that, that Esau did not have a desire or hunger for spiritual things. So Jacob has a birthright. Isaac is old. He's dimmed in his eyesight. He can only see 
a little light and some shapes. And, and so he tells, he tells Esau, go kill a deer, cook me up some venison, then I'm going to bless you with a patriarchal blessing. So he goes out hunting. While he's going hunting, Jacob, with Rebekah's help, go into daddy and deceive him into believing that he's Esau so that he will pray. And he prays the patriarchal blessing. But it's not thievery here because God already gave him. Oh, help me. God had already given. He was just not letting daddy give it away to somebody else because this came from God. When something comes from God, I think it's something you need to stand for and you need to fight for. So Esau comes in, finds out that his brother's not only got the birthright, now he's got the patriarchal blessing, the favor of God upon his life. He's furious, wants to kill him. Isaac and Rebekah send Jacob, said, you go live with Laban over in Mesopotamia. That's modern-day Iraq where Abraham came from. Find a wife, have some children, and later come back home. Jacob leaves the house, goes to a place called Bethel. What do you know? What is Bethel? Bethel is the house the house of God. He lays his head down upon a pillow to sleep in that, as he's sleeping, he dreams a dream, and in that dream, there's a ladder that comes down from heaven. Can I tell you, in typology, that ladder is Jesus Christ. When you can't get to God, God, oh, God made a way for him to get down to you. The angels are ministering spirits to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation. God spoke to him and said, listen, Jacob, I am the God of your daddy. I'm the God of your great-granddaddy. The promises I made them are the same promises I'm going to make you. I'm going to give you all the land. I'm going to make your descendants like the sands of the seashore. I'm going to be, he said, I am with you. I'm going to go with you. I'll protect and keep you. I will bring you back to your father's house, and I will not leave you until I give you everything that I have promised. That tells me God wanted a relationship with Jacob. He introduced himself to Jacob in the house of God. You know what Jacob did? Procrastinated. Here's his response. He says, God, if you will go with me, in the way that I go, and if you will keep me, clothe me and protect me, and bring me back to my father's house in peace, then you'll be my God. But for 20 years, he lived in Laban's house. Married Rachel and Leah, had 12 children before he decided to come home. Can I tell you, it was an it was a moment that God wanted relationship, and the same thing that Jacob did is what so many of us have done and so many of you are doing right now is you keep procrastinating and putting God off when he wants this wonderful relationship filled with promise for you, and you keep procrastinating him. Now, he's patient, but he's also persistent. Can I tell you, today is a day of salvation. Second, I told you that was a long thought. The others won't be that long. The second thought is this. When you have forgotten how to find God, God will never forget how to find you. What did it say in verse 24? And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the dawn. What does that tell me? 
it says that his wife wasn't there. What had happened, he had broken his family up at Jabbok. He had broken his family up into groups, heard that Esau was coming, kept sending different groups of his family in different groups to go and meet Esau, to take Esau gifts, hoping to soften Esau's heart. And maybe if Esau decided to kill some of them, some of them would escape. And he's left on this side of Jabbok alone. Can I tell you, when you feel all alone, that is not God's absence. Job felt alone, but God was there all the time. Elijah crawled in a cave thinking God had forsaken him. He said, I am I am alone. There's nobody else serving you, God, but me. And can I tell you, God still showed up. So what we have in Scripture is a theophany. A theophany is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ before his incarnate birth. How do we know it was Jesus and not God the Father? Simply because John 1.18 says this, No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son he had declared. He has published him. He has demonstrated him. He's shown us what God the Father is like. So when Jesus shows up on the battlefield and begins to wrestle with Jacob, let me tell you, he is representing God the Father and all the covenant. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made, and Him was life, and life was the light of the world. He came into His own. How many of you know His own received Him not, but to as many as received Him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, as many as call on His name. You understand that He is... He is the king of all glory, and he is our representation. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld him as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The only begotten has declared, published him to us. So that theophany of Jesus wrestling with Jacob was, there was also other theophanies in the Bible. He walks with Adam in the garden in the cool of the evening, and the Bible said he would bring animals to Adam and whatever Adam Wanted to name them, whatever Adam called them. Can I tell you, the power of your word has resonance with God. It was a theophany. He had a theophanic appearance with Abraham as he makes covenant. He had a theophanic appearance with Moses up on Mount Sinai. The Bible says he talked with Moses face to face as a man talks to his friend. Can I tell you, you are God's friend. It was a theophany in Joshua when Joshua was, was surveying the battlefield and he sees this captain of this host and he's in, in battle gear and battle array and glory was shining all around him. He said, are you for us or are you for them? And he says, listen, I'm not for you and I'm not for them. Listen, Jesus doesn't get caught up in divisions in church. Here's what, here's what he says. He said, are you on my side? Oh, are you on my side? I want to know who's on his side. You understand who's on his side? A theophanic appearance. He appeared throughout the Old Testament as the angel of Jehovah. He comes in the book of Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, he says, listen, I'm going to give you one more. We're going to strike up the band one more time. But if you don't bow your knee, you're going you're to go into the fiery furnace. And what God or what man can save you from the fiery burning? And they said, let me, we, we can answer that question. He said, our God, he... My God, he is able. But if not, let it be known, we're not going to bow. 
And so they throw him into the flame, and King Nebuchadnezzar goes and sits back down on his throne and looks up and he says, Boy, did we not throw three men in there? But I see the fourth man, and he's walking around there, and he sure looks like the Son of God. Can I tell you, the Son of God is in the house. When you don't know how to find him, he knows how to find you. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. He's Emmanuel. He is God with you. Can I tell you, he's a God that loves you. He makes house calls even on the homeless. I'm talking about not, he doesn't just come to Heber First Assembly to make a house call. And he will do that this morning. I sense his presence, he is here. But in Mark chapter 5, after a long day of ministry, Jesus says, boys, let's get to the boat and let's go to the other side because there's somebody over here in Gennesaret who's homeless. He's been kicked out of the community. Everybody has given up on him. Can I tell you, when everybody else gives up on you, God still is on your side. And so he goes to Gennesaret, and there a man possessed by a legion, that's 5,000 demonic spirits living in him. He's tormented day and night, cutting and screaming and cutting himself with rocks, and he's torn. no chains can hold him, but the moment Jesus shows up, the demons are scared. And they said, did you come to torment us? Before our time, he said, my, my business with you is not right now. He said, y'all go. My business is with this bound brother. Because he was bound just a few minutes ago, but he's fixing to be set. I came to make a house call on a homeless boy. And I'm going to set him free. And whom the Son of Man sets free, they're free indeed. And listen, he didn't just set him free, get back in the boat and leave. He got the brother a haircut and a shave, put some new clothes on him. He put some new shoes on his feet. If he had a ring, he put it on his hand. And he stayed with him till he was clothed and in his right mind. Then he sent him back home and said, it's time for you to be a daddy and a husband. There's a God who loves you. We could tell about the Samaritan woman. There's so many things we could say. But that same God has showed up in your life. In times we felt all alone. In times that everybody else had given up on us, God showed up. I love that. The third thing, you're wondering, how can he get six things in in just the next few minutes? Have faith in God. That's what I'm saying. Oh, ye of little faith. Spiritual transformation requires a personal encounter. Requires a personal encounter with God. And Jacob was left alone, and there a man wrestled with him into the breaking of dawn. When he saw that he prevailed not, he touched his hip so that Jacob's hip was out of socket while they wrestled. It's not clear in Scripture. Here's where the Scripture is a little vague. He doesn't tell us how the fight started. You hear me? But if you go back in the first part of chapter 32, like 9 through 11 or 12, you'll see that when he hears that Esau is coming, he goes back and he says, listen, God, oh, whoa, I'm here. You remember what all you said back then? And I put you on hold, but, boy, I could use you right now. And you promised to do me good, and I'd ask that you'd like, I'd like for you to show up. 
Have you ever had a moment where you'd like for God to show up? I know I put you off, but today I need you. And we know in Genesis 35, he talks about going, building an altar to the God who visited him in the day of his distress. So you put those two things together. Then what happens right here in the middle of this context is Jesus shows up in answer to his prayer. He realizes that he's in the presence of God, and evidently Jesus is about to leave. And he grabs a hold of Jesus and says, uh-uh, I need you too bad for you to leave me right now. And the Bible says this. When he saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, he broke him. Can I tell you, God will speak to you in life's calm or else he will speak to you in life's crisis. And crisis has a way of wakening you up to your need of God and say, man, I need to get a hold of God. And boy, this time if I get a hold of God, I'm not going to let him go. So he prevailed not. What that meant was Jacob wouldn't give up. Can I tell you all God has ever wanted was for you to surrender, not struggle? Oh, there's a word there for somebody. You keep striving and you keep fighting when all God wants for you to do is just give up. So he touches Jacob's hip. Now, if you're a fighter, a ball player, I don't care what it is, if your hip gets out of joint, it's over. The wrestling match was lost. At that point, it looked like Jesus dancing with a rag doll. The battle's over until he comes to the point that he asks Jesus, after Jesus says, I'm going to change your name, and then he comes to the point he asks Jesus, what's your name? You know what that implies? Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you. I'm tired. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of fighting. I just want to know you. Can I tell you that's what he's wanted all the time? But he's not. You cannot wrestle the blessing away from God. You cannot force God into blessing you. But if you'll surrender, I promise you, open the floodgate of God's grace. See, when you surrender, when Jacob surrendered, he made God the Lord or the conqueror over his life. Here's the beauty. You have to understand the secret. When you make God the conqueror, he makes you more... I know somebody over here got that. Is when you make God the conqueror of your life, he makes you more, more than a conqueror. When you surrender, you open the floodgate of his grace as undeserved, unearned favor, things that you could not buy, you don't deserve, but you surrender to the king that made you valuable. He begins to pour into your life richly. The fourth thought is this, is your future is connected to your identity. He says, what's your name? He said, 
Jacob. Uh, what does that mean? Um, well, that means I'm a heel grabber. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm a manipulator. I'm a deceiver. It's what my daddy. See, he just wanted one son, and I wasn't the one he wanted. And he put this label on me that he really wished I'd never been born. See, some of you in this house, you're wearing some labels that God didn't put on you. And Satan knows this, that if he tells you a lie long enough, loud enough, and gets enough people to agree with it, you'll slowly over time start to believe it. He said, oh, what did daddy call you? Oh, he, he said I was a cheater. He didn't really want me. I've lived my whole life feeling like I was never enough. Somebody in here understands labels. There's somebody in here that you've walked through life and you've had some labels or your addiction put on you, your habits, your failures, your divorce put on you, and you're wearing these labels, and, and the enemy says, you're not good enough. Nobody wants you in God's family. You're not good enough for Hebrew First Assembly. And God said, come here, baby. You get down here right now. He said, uh-uh. Jacob, you shall be called no more. Uh-uh, it stops. It's, for somebody, I believe this morning, it's going to stop, that he's going to take the label off your life, and he says, you're not, I didn't create junk when I made you. You're not second rate. You're not worthless. When I made you, I made you special. Your name is Israel. As a prince, you have power with God and man, and you're the winner. Let me say it in women's terms. Ladies, you can buy a purse down at Walmart for $20. A good one. You can, Thus saith El Cheapo. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you can buy a $20 purse down at Walmart. Whole lot less money than a Louis Vuitton for $2,000. They'll hold the same wallet, same keys, the same wet wipes, the bottle, the, the day planner. The bobby pins, the hairnet, the mirror, the makeup, the, all of that, and they'll last you, both of them will last you a long time, but there's a difference. And the difference is the designer and the maker and the reputation of the designer. It's not the function of the purse. Can I tell you what makes you important is you got the mark of the designer of the king of all glory upon your heart and your life, and you are worth something. 
He says, behold, he said, I made you and you are mine. When you walk through the water, it's not going to hurt you. The river is not going to drown you. When you go through the fire, it's not going to consume you. Why? Because I'm your daddy now and you got my, oh, I wish somebody in this house would give him praise. Last song. I like to spit all over myself. Ain't God good? The last thought is God chooses to identify with our brokenness. What does that mean? Okay. So we've all had that pre-Christian life, right? That Jacob life. We've all been of the tribe of Jacob. Hey, all we like sheep have gone astray. We understand that. Then Jesus comes along and he saves us and sanctifies us and fills us with the Holy Ghost. He dresses us up. We learn how to speak Christianese. Oh, we look so good on Sunday. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. There's some Israels in this house. God's proud of the change. Behold, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away. All things have become new. It's good. God loves that. So up to this point, God has called himself Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So you would think that God, after the transformation of Jacob, would say, now I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, the better version of you. I'm the God of the you that's got it all together. You're cleaned up. You look good. I don't understand this. God changed you, but he still identifies I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and I'm still the God of the messed up you. (laughs) I'm still the God of Jacob. On your best day and on your worst day, when you drop the ball and act a fool, and your wife says, boy, you're really acting like a Christian now, and you want to say, shut up. But you know that you're more, well, help me, help me. And somebody cuts you off in traffic and that old nature rises up. Oh, you won't give them the finger, but you'll give them a flock. Oh, help me. Help me, old Jacob. Oh, I love you. Help me. I love you. See, you wouldn't want to be you. Yeah, you understand that Jacob has a way of, doesn't it? Popping up at the most inopportune time. We say, okay, God, when am I going to get this right? When am I going to pass the test? He says, I'm still your God. Still your God. I'm the God of the broken part of you. 
I'm the God of the messed up you, the God of you that still struggles with your thoughts and still struggles with lust and still striving to be better. And it's been a battle your whole life. It's been just one rotating battle, that one, one victory going back to defeat. Over and over, God says, I'm still, I'm your God. I want you to stand with me, ministry team, if you come back to the platform, if you're not in the back. Eating food already. <laughs> in God good. <laughs> I said in God good. Jesus is in the house. I feel him passing by. He's he's in the house. In Mark six, Jesus was uh, up on the mountain praying. He told his disciples, go across the other side, and it was a storm, and they had been rowing against the storm all night long. The Bible says in the fourth watch of the night, that's from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Uh, he saw them while he was up praying. He saw the trouble they were going through. Can I tell you, Jesus has been praying for you. Oh, he, well, some of y'all didn't get that. Well, let me tell you about that. I, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you, and he does, oh, you got to get a hold of this. He doesn't pray prayers God doesn't answer. Oh. Somebody, that was a hanky-throwing moment. You understand? He's praying for you. God's going to answer his prayer. The Bible says he saw him going through the term. I've got another hanky. Well, I had one somewhere. There you go. One's for throwing, one's for blowing. <laughs> That's good my wife ain't here. She'll be getting all over me. And so Jesus saw him struggling, and uh, he came walking out on the water. And the Bible says he would have passed him by. Jesus is walking in this house. He sees the struggle that you're going through. And if you let him, he'll walk right on by. Oh, but if, if you say, no, 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 I ain't going to let you go. I ain't going to let you go unless you bless me this morning. I promise you he'll show up to bless you. Pastor Lee and your prayer team, come and stand up here. We're going to have an altar time. and I don't care if it's one or a hundred. I, I don't care. That's not, I, I wasn't sent to tell the numbers of it. I, I was just sent to tell you what God wants to tell you. If you're here and you never felt good enough, I want you to come. If you're here and you have procrastinated, you have put God off, I want you to come. If you're here and life has put a label on you and you've struggled with insecurity, and you're ready for that label to be pulled off, I want you to come. And if you're here and your daddy abused you, you came out of an abuseful relationship, that's the hardest abuse to ever get over. You won't tell it to anybody else. You're ashamed of it. You hurt. You carry it around. You've always carried it around. And Satan does that to try to destroy your concept of who God is. 
And however you grew up with daddy treating you, that's how you felt like God is. And so if your daddy didn't have time for you, you feel like God is busy, but he doesn't have time for me. If daddy hurt me, then you feel like God is there, but all he wants to do is hurt me. God ain't like your daddy. And God wants to take that label and that paint off your life. And he wants to put a new label that you belong to me. So as they begin to sing, I want you to come. And I want you to come and have a time of prayer. I just want you to get a hold of God. Would you come? There's people need to step out now.